Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. Today, I'm excited to welcome someone who's in a unique position to share her insights, both as a staff member at an assisted living facility and as a primary caregiver to her own parents. Gina Briscoe is a native Washingtonian with a marketing background in health insurance sales and healthcare administrative systems. She's currently the marketing director for an assisted living facility located in Washington, D.C., Gina also has two elderly parents living with her, along with a young son. So she plays multiple roles. Gina Briscoe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jana. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your back, your professional background. I guess maybe we can start with your telling me how long you've been working at the assisted living facility and what drew you to the position. Okay. I started... Um, where I am currently about two and a half years ago. And my background, for the most part, over, you know, I would say several, a couple of decades now, um, has primarily been in marketing and sales. That's the overarching piece of, of what I've, my experience is. But um, primarily and specifically in the healthcare industry. At one point, I had my own uh, marketing consulting business, and I uh, delved into owning uh, real estate uh, for for uh, quite a bit of time, and then when I moved out of that and wanted to get back into uh, the corporate industry and working day to day, and not just for myself, um, and someone recommended me for the position that I currently have now, and it just felt like I was home, like this was something that I was meant to do, sort of like answer to a calling. It is an environment that I was uh, not accustomed to, but I welcomed once I started. Um, the satisfaction of helping people, families in particular, transition uh, at this point in their lives, um, not only for the resident who is the senior, uh, but also for the family members. Um, you become quite involved as a salesperson during this time period because it's not simply just finding an apartment. You are changing your entire lifestyle of what you've known prior. And for some, it's a challenge for the family as well as the senior. For some, it's easy. <laughs> it's something they may have discussed prior, and it's just the natural next step. I would say most fall in the category of it being a little bit more of a challenge for several reasons. Sometimes the senior is not ready, but the children are, <laughs> mm -hmm. because they may not live in the area, mm -hmm. or the children aren't ready, and the senior is ready, but the children are still kind of in denial about where their relative is or their senior or their parent is. Um, they might not be in agreement 
with, say, a doctor's recommendation mm-hmm. that they should move on to this, especially when it comes to dementia. A lot of times in dementia, personalities are heightened, and so sometimes relatives think, oh, this is just them being extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oftentimes what we find is, and I'm not a medical person by no means, so I'm, not, I'm only uh, speaking from experience, my experience, but uh, what we find is that that type of behavior is, about, is usually the beginning stages. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me um, and our listeners uh, a little bit about the residents, the patient population at the facility where you work? They come from all walks of life, but the majority of being in Washington, D.C., a very urban area and mm-hmm. our nation's capital, mm-hmm. um, a fair amount come from Foreign Service, State Department. Um, they've worked on Capitol Hill. They may have even worked in the White House. Um, so, or, or they are either professors, um, teachers, and some doctors, lawyers. Um, but they've all had usually very interesting um, careers and have done a lot of service. Well, that's one of the things, uh, the common threads that I mm-hmm. see in some of the residents that we have, is that they really have served on in some capacity um, their government, their their homeland or whatever. I hope I'm answering your question. Um, Yeah, maybe you can talk a little bit about the spectrum of cognitive functioning. I have the sense that the spectrum is kind of broad there among the resident population. Um, Yeah, this is a licensed assisted living facility. Uh, We do have independent people that come because they're planning for on the future uh, if they should need some assistance. Mm -hmm. There are many that just have that short-term memory loss, and but they can go on and function, and they can stay to end of life, mm-hmm. and it's not a problem. Yet there are some that if they are required to have more care, they might need to move on to a dementia care facility, um, as well as maybe a skilled nursing facility, should that be required. Uh, you sort of touched on the families a little bit earlier. I'm just going to want to go back to them for a second. So... For me, when I was looking for a place for my mom, I, gosh, I kind of went all over the place, and I felt like I had a list of questions, and I wasn't <laughs> sure what I was doing. I was kind of freaked out, but I wanted her to have the best. Well, you know, it is a quite emotional experience mm-hmm. because it is not really just about looking for another place to live. It, it's, it's, you know, realizing that you're, from a family member, that this person's is is embarking on a, the next chapter mm-hmm. of the second half of their life. Mm-hmm. And so it is. it can be kind of daunting at times um, in terms of when you're sitting at the table and you're talking, just to be talking about, and should your family member decline, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we mm-hmm. offer. But that's hard to digest for some when they just think, oh, we're just going to find mom a place to live. And then it's hard for the residents sometimes, staring all that in the face. The one thing that I try to recommend to those who are looking, especially when they're looking when their parent is healthy, but the, but the senior realizes, you know, eventually I'll be here. You know, eventually I'm going to be in a place like this. And I always suggest to them, even if you're just looking right now, um, come when you're healthy. Mm-hmm. Come when you're able to really enjoy the place. 
and really enjoy all of the activities and amenities that that you have. Come before you have to come. It's a really interesting point because I think, I, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that people come when they need to. When and right. so perhaps under duress, you know? right, <laughs> right, and it's and and they a lot of times they come when they you know it's all of a sudden everything is going at the same time. Right, the right. medical care is starting to increase, and now I've got to take over my mom's bills. Now I've got to figure out what to do with her house. Now I've got all that's going on at the same time. So the caregiver, they might have been the previous caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're already worn out, <laughs> you know, by the time they get here. I'm raising my hand now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it's a lot going on for everybody yeah, involved. Right. And one of the other things that I always um, bring up when I talk about um, the role that I have, um, and I feel very privileged to to be in the role that I have to work with people and help them through this process. But, you know, it's a lot of di- different dynamics that go on within family structure that mm. you're privy to. And, you know, everybody's family dynamics are different. And so you see a lot. You see all different types of situations. Sometimes it's a financial thing, and, and it's really sad to see you want to put your parent somewhere but they just don't have that kind of money. You have parents that come in here that don't even get along with their kids, but the Mm. kids are there because it's their duty, but they're not talking. Wow. (laughs) You know, and Mm. I'm trying to bring them together, and vice versa. Mm. You know, the parent is here, and the children doesn't really, you know, we have people, I've seen people, you, they just don't like each other. Mm-hmm. And their mother and daughter, father and son, whatever, they're not really talking to each other. And then the sibling situation. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that it's... can be a challenge where one person is the caregiver and is having a difficult time because this person is getting off because they're never here. And all of a sudden they want to fly in and make decisions just because they're the oldest or whatever, you know. So I see a lot of that. And a lot of times I'm the go-between. I'm Mm -hmm. the person that does all the translation Uh (laughs) and, and have seen people kind of come, seen siblings come together when they really didn't. Um, and they, and, and I kind of smooth things out without even realizing that's what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. you know. Also in this position, after being here a few years now, seeing someone come in healthy and then seeing them decline, it is, that was new for me Hmm. as well, to see people go in, come in and then see people, you know, live the rest of their life and then pass on. As a marketing director, you kind of bring them in and they're kind of passed on and I... Uh, remove myself from the day-to-day because I'm always focusing on trying to bring in more. Um, but still, I have attachments. It's, it's, it can be difficult to have attachments and then see someone decline and, and, and pass on on, a, you know, on, a, on somewhat of a consistent basis. Um, and so you have to figure out how you're going to handle that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about the staff and, and the resident issues that they deal with. Um, what are some of the challenges that they have? And, uh, yeah, just generally the staff. Um, I have really been very fortunate where I am now that I have worked with people that the majority of the people that are here truly enjoy working with seniors. 
and helping them and are passionate about working with them. Um, that, I think that's the challenge for the business to make sure that you can kind of maintain that level of uh, quality. With regards to that, what has to be constantly evaluated is how the staff is appropriated for the current community. Mm-hmm. And if you see mm-hmm. that a portion of your residents are declining at the same time, you make sure that you know one or two or three staff members are not overwhelmed and all of who they serve are in that same category. So it's really important that it's staggered, that you make sure that they don't get burned out. That's the biggest part, I think, of this this industry, that you have quality people taking care of people because that's really what it is. You know, you can have a beautiful place, you can have a not-so-great place, but in either one, you want to have quality staff. Mm-hmm. Well, the family so, members coming in really have no idea what they're getting themselves into. I mean, they have to they have to trust you as right. as the representative of the right. facility. I do kind of pride myself on not being a hardcore salesperson. I don't just try to sell for numbers' sake, but I am very honest about what we can do and what we cannot do. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, in in looking at a place. You know, when you are even just looking at their brochure, are they providing things to maintain the medical level when they come in the door? Are they doing, you know, yoga classes? Are they um, doing something to to exercise their mind? Those are health-based services. We're doing them so we can continue. They can continue to maintain where they are medically. Uh, levels of care is once they've reached a certain level, we provide this. Once they reach dementia level, we provide these services. Once they require skilled nursing, this is what we provide. So mm-hmm. one is maintenance and one is service. In other words, you know, it's great to have movies and, you know, meals are a big part of it, but it's really the activity. Mm-hmm. And the activity it always comes from kind of a health-based. It's not just doing things for the sake of doing them and keeping people busy. The common thread throughout is for people to experience life the best that they can while they're here at the facility mm-hmm. and maintain their health levels as long as they can. I do think that having family members being involved keeps that mind churning. And it does, I think, you know, seeing family members set off the endorphins, you know, that keep them uh, alive and going and, and alongside having a good activities for exercise and eating well and all of the things that the, um, the facility can provide. But I think that that is an intricate part of somebody's overall health is to be happy the, um, if, their, if their family member's presence makes them happy and gives them a sense of security that, yes, I'm here and I'm enjoying my life here with all of my friends and so forth, and we get to do these great things, but I do have a nice balance where I have my family coming in. Um, and they see me on a regular basis. We have dinner together. I go to their, you know, I go out and I spend a night with them or mm. I come back and we still interact. That is really 
the basis for a very healthy transition, mm-hmm. you know, if that can happen. It doesn't happen for everyone. There are some people that don't have family at all, but that's when friends here are that become their family. Mm-hmm. And we look out for them mm-hmm. in, the, in the regard to if they don't have a family member um, to help them make decisions. Is there a time that's a senior elder care um, a lawyer or someone that can represent that person needs to be uh, introduced. There are several people that move in that don't want to see anyone. <laughs> and that's a challenge for us because we don't let people come in and become a hermit unless they are independent. And everyone is screened when they come in and you have to go through a medical process so that you are placed appropriately. But unless you're independent, if, you know, that's the thing. Part of coming here is to maintain your social interaction because there's something to be said of, of continuing to be interactive with um, people. And that's why they want you to come out and go downstairs to the dining room and come out and go to exercise and come out and, and go to the poetry reading. Have you turned away applicants? We have had to turn away applicants, and it really is just that we cannot handle them. For what and reasons? So, um, it can be for psychiatric reasons. Mm-hmm. There are people that have uh, therapies, of course, but if they have something uh, acute where that person might be a danger to themselves, a danger to someone else, we are not a psychiatric facility, and so that's a concern. Someone who um, is a flight risk and is a determined flight risk. Flight risk, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Not a term you normally associate with an assisted living facility, but it's applicable right. here. Right. So you're talking uh, about people who wander. Who wander, but there are, uh, we've come across some in the past. Mm-hmm. Their whole motivation, their entire motivation for the entire day is to get out of the building. Oh. And that is a level of dementia, but that is, it's extreme in that they don't just wander they are calculating, hmm. I need to get out of that door to go down the, that street to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And we are really not that facility. We are not a dementia facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have places that are more secure, even though we have a secure building. Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. other words, if you really are making a plan, <laughs> mm-hmm. because don't, dementia does not mean you're, you're not smart. They can be very cunning and calculating and, you know, um, really figure out a plan. And if they really want to get out, they probably can. So, you know, those are the extremes that are kind of difficult. And then, of course, if anyone, what we, you know, what we don't, the things that we do not offer, we do not bring in. So. I Such see. as anyone that needs skilled nursing. Right, you know. right, right. So tell me a little bit about your family. First of all, we should make clear to our listeners that you're in the baby boomer generation, and mm-hmm. um, you've got you've got you're a primary caregiver for your parents who live with you, and you also have a ten year old son. So you're. You're yeah. not really a sandwich. You're sort of a club sandwich generation. Right, you, right so, because I have a nephew who really is, could be my son in terms of age. Um, he's really my first son because my, my, I, I helped raise him because my brother passed when he was uh, very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was only two. They live with me, so I would, um, could not even imagine any other situation 
It's wonderful and challenging and sometimes stressful. It is multitasking to the 10th degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it, you know, it's enjoyable. It's tiresome. It's all of those things. I have a 91-year-old dad, an 81-year-old mom, and 10-year-old son, and 31-year-old nephew, who's my other son. And he we are. Does he live with you, the nephew? He does live with us. Okay. He does live with oh, us. Wow. And okay. it's really great now because as my parents are aging, in particular my dad, my, my nephew has been such a big help because I have to work. I mean, I'm the only one in the house that works, mm-hmm. that goes out mm-hmm. of the house every day. So mm-hmm. uh, on some levels, it's like having three slash four kids at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 um, you know, but it's wonderful in that I have my family. This is my family. Yeah. Um, this is my immediate family. We're all under one roof, and we're taking care of each other. Just this morning, I was helping my mom with doctor's appointments, and and she got them confused and was starting to get upset about mm-hmm. it. And, you know, and I actually took some time to sit with her instead of rush off to work mm-hmm. to let her know mm-hmm. that it was okay. So... What I'm experiencing right now is the beginning of having to be a little bit more hand-on mm-hmm. um, and, and, and involved in their planning, not just be there to do things for them, but try to now look down the road, look at their monthly calendar and really kind of take on the, the administrative part mm-hmm. uh, of their day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Are your parents still and, active? You know, we, you and I have known each other for a while now, mm. and um, they are, they both still drive. Wow. <laughs> Only in the daytime, but they are, I would say over the last two months, we've been experiencing some illness, some acute situations um, that require a lot more doctor's care, mm-hmm. and maybe the beginning of going down another road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and transitioning um, at least one of them. So I would say that for me it has been really a blessing that I was able to work in this industry before my parents got to where I, I, I'm sure that they're headed. Mm-hmm. They're not quite there yet, but mm-hmm. um, getting closer, you know, day by day. But that it's prepared me on some level to think clearly because it does all fall on me, because I am, I'm the meat in the sandwich. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do they call you during the day? Absolutely. Yeah. So what Absolutely. sort of calls, what sort of calls do you get? Um, well, for example, when I leave here, um, my mom, I, I talked to her right before you and I started, because I wanted to call her, because she normally calls around this time. I see. Uh, just to let her know that I would not be taking calls for a moment. And, um, we sing in the same choir at mm-hmm. my church, but someone is taking her to. She doesn't drive anymore in the evening, mm-hmm. and they don't. They don't like to have to walk very far either. So mm-hmm. that's that's new. That's something that mm-hmm. has just started within the last couple of months. Um, and so my nephew is taking her, and then when I get off this call, I will be darting out to go pick her up. Oh. <laughs> it's cute. Um, sometimes in my quiet moments. Um, I look at it and think, this is going to be hard. And I always thought, you know, if anything, my brother will be here. And I'll always be Mm. just kind of following his lead. And it's really interesting because his son 
is doing that with me, and mm. he's following my lead. And Aww. but we also are kind of doing it together. Um, he's taking on almost the dad's role um, with my parents, with me and him. We kind of work together. So that's the whole role shift. You know, he and I talk, and it's like, are you picking them up or am I picking them up? <laughs> that's really great, though, that you've got that support. And it must be nice for your 10-year-old to have a relationship w- with your folks and, and to really appreciate them, I think. I think. I think so, too. And I will say this. I mean, because him and my mom, they are very much alike. So it has a lot of pluses, but it, they also challenge each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, being so much alike. But... But the other thing that I wanted to say was, because I didn't have grandparents that I was really close to in that I was around them consistently. Um, And my son has that, but he also has my job. Um, The people here have, I call him the resident grandchild. I'll just tell you this, I had one resident who they found out that they sat next to each other and they found out that their birthdays were a day apart. Your son and And, and the resident. And one of my mm-hmm. son and a mm-hmm. female resident. Mm-hmm. And so, and they became like the best of friends. Mm-hmm. And then I, they started, they became pen pals. Oh. And so, and she used to be a teacher, a former teacher at one point. Mm-hmm. And so she would write him a note and then I would take it home and then he would write her a note and I'd bring it back. So I was the male, per, male person. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. But it really was sweet. It really was. That is very sweet. uh, And she didn't have any family members, and so she really, they had a great attachment, and Uh they gave each other birthday cards, and they sat together when we would have our Christmas party. So it was really sweet. That is sweet. Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, add, any takeaways or sort of that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Um, First of all, thank you again for asking me i just it was such a privilege to have the conversation um i really do appreciate it and for those that are listening whether you're a senior embarking on making a move or whether you're uh you know adult child who is looking at your parent you know i would say have the conversations don't be afraid to have the conversation um and if you can uh, if this is something that you foresee in the future, the biggest advice I could give is what I said before. Uh, don't wait until you have to go. Mm-hmm. You know, make it a part of your journey and try to understand what the upside of of uh, making this transition will be and what you can, you know, remove from your life that's, you know, the day-to-day that you don't have to deal with anymore. Mm-hmm. So... That would be it, because if you transition to a place like where I am or any of the ones in the D.C. area or across the nation, really, you want to take advantage of all it has to offer so you can get the best out of it and be your best self at that at where you are in your life. Well, that sounds wonderful. Gina Latour Briscoe, thank you so much for being involved with this podcast series. Um, you've just you've you've brought a lot of really interesting layers of thought to the conversation, and I really appreciate your taking the time. So go call your mom, and uh, okay, <laughs> I'll see you around campus. Okay, okay. Thank you so much, Jana. I really do appreciate it. Thanks Th- for having me. Thank you too. Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. That's our show for today. 
Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can email me at Jana at AgeWise.com. That's J-A-N-A at A-G-E-W-Y-Z, or Z, as my Canadian mother says. You can also find me online at AgeWise.com, and you can subscribe to the podcast and download any episodes for free at iTunes. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. Until then, age well, age wise.